straight in, yeah. Yeah, we're ready? Let's go. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Propaganda. Uh, today we're going to be taking on the subject of dreaded black mould and damp, uh, and also just touching on uh, what a buyer needs in place if they're getting ready to buy, looking to buy, um, what they what they need, basically. Um but I know we sometimes say, you know, what have you, uh, what have you guys been up to this week? I've just got a little fun fact to you if we uh, have a little rewind to the uh, first podcast. I've not really been doing much over the last six weeks. As you can probably tell, I've not left the house. Not had a, not had a shave. <laughs> I've not really left. But I've been getting into my, uh, I mean, I always like watching, as you're saying, true crime, things like that. And uh, I got really into the great train robbery. Uh, have you mm. guys have seen any of that? And do you guys watch, go on. I've, just, I've, I've got it. a little fact about that. Yeah. So my brother-in-law... He's his, Ronnie Biggs. No. Yeah. His girlfriend, uh, for a long, long time, worked in the pub where apparently it was planned. Really? Yeah. Very what? interesting. Who, who's that? Who? Charlie. Charlie's so Charlie's, oh, girl, really? Charlie's girlfriend was the landlady for the pub where it was all planned, upstairs in the library. She um, got a nice house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. A million quid in the bank. <laughs> Do you watch The Sopranos? Seen The Sopranos? I don't watch it, mate. You've gone. never seen The Sopranos? No, I've never no. seen it. No, no, never. Me that. I mean, don't, don't oh, fuck let, me. Let's That's a good fact, sales. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even watch it. Going, yeah. This is the most famous show in the world. This is too old for me. Too old? Yeah. What, 40 off, mate? <laughs> 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 anyway, so the... Oh, well, it's a fucking useless fact now, but there's a song at the intro of The Sopranos. You've yeah. probably heard it. No. The main guy who set up uh, the Great Train Robbery is a guy called Bruce Reynolds. Okay. His son is the in the band that does the theme tune for The Sopranos. But if you're oh. not interested in The Great Train Robbery, not seen The Sopranos. No, I've certainly lost me on that, yeah. Not a very good fun fact. I preferred your... You should Sean. maybe run that bars in, in uh, pre-production. Oh, what's the point in that? First? The Sean DePaul one was way better. It was way better, yeah. yeah. Well, DePaul. I bet millions DePaul, out there. Yeah, millions? <laughs> I bet everyone out there thinks that's a better fact, mate. If you're into your crime. Great stuff. A lot of women listen. I'll give you another fun fact. In podcasts... Mm, more women listen to true crime podcasts than men. Than men, yeah. Mm. It's the only genre. Maybe we'll change that of property. Anyway, moving on. Um... So this time of year, obviously February, a bit colder, darker, damper, wetter. Um, we get it every year, don't we? There's damping properties, black moulding properties. It always comes up. It comes up on surveys <laughs> and it affects pretty much everybody. It was obviously a very tragic story that happened before Christmas in, I think it was Rochdale. Mm-hmm. Um, there was tenants in a property. It was riddled with black mould, damp. Um, and unfortunately, a young boy uh, lost his life over it. Um, and they said that the main cause of that was due to black mould and damp. So, you know, without kind of glazing over that, because that's obviously a very serious thing, but, you know, how dangerous is it? You know, how big of a thing is it? And, you know, is there loads that you should be worried about? I appreciate that sounds like quite a damning statement. I've said, you know, a young boy's going to say, I, don't, I mean, dangerous, yes. How dangerous, I guess. Uh, all relative to the individual house and how bad I think if you look at the pictures from the one where that um, that situation was in in Rochdale like it was terrible like you're talking thick black mould all over the walls we're not talking your typical kind of in the bathroom on the ceilings and black spores that have appeared because no one's opened the window because it's you know it's cold in the winter and don't want to vent out from a shower I mean it was it was horrendous so Mm. look there's always a the, I guess the upper end isn't there like the, the worst case scenario versus kind of the least and I think 
probably more frequently if you're going to speak to anyone who's had issues with mold or damp normally it's fairly minor i mean in some cases it, be, it can be quite bad but we're not would i mean i've never seen anything to the extent um of those, those pictures yeah, yeah yeah and look i mean we've we god knows how many flats i've been in and out of over the 14 years but we manage i don't know 200 250 flats as well flats. Mm. i mean we're in them constantly i've seen some bad flats where people have not ventilated at all no windows open you know they've got washing drying in the in the front room constantly so they've got condensation over it, and i've never seen it to that extent no so no. i think that's a probably an individual um yeah an a, isolated case you'd like to think mm. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, the, so the problem with it is that, as Alex was saying, it's subjective, first and foremost. Mm. You know, a few spores, um, is that a massive issue? Maybe, maybe not, because it also depends on the risk of the occupant. You know, someone who's got, um, you know, yourself, you've got asthma. So you will be more susceptible to mm. illness as a result of, of black mould. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was black mould that killed Brittany Murphy. Am I making that up? I think that was heroin. Pretty but... sure. <laughs> was Actually, it? mate. I'm, I feel, yeah, I feel Unless like I've heard that somewhere. It. I think producer, producer Ben's there, just going to double check that fact. Um, but it, it, it can, but it is one of those things where actually it's about the extent of the issue. Mm. Um, you know, much like damp, all of these things if they are left if they're not looked after and, and there's a certain amount of responsibility that occupiers need to take in terms of clean i mean you you mentioned your own place when you get mm. condensation on the windows kind yeah. of in the morning that hannah's straight over there wiping yeah. it all off wiping it down squidgy squidgy especially this time of year mate windows always open out that shower yeah freezing yeah but it's got this is and this is but we, the, the problem is that when people don't people always you always get condensation in winter right and that is not because of anything other than the fact it's freezing cold outside. It tends to be hot inside or you're creating moisture and no one's venting out, right? So all the hot air and all the moisture attaches to the window and then you get water dripping everywhere and it attaches to the ceiling and no one vents out. And I don't, you know, you wouldn't want to isolate one from the other, but we've dealt with many properties that have been owner-occupied for a prolonged period of time and very rarely do you find that there are huge amounts of issues. And that, I don't, whether that's because of the homeowner, you sort of learn with it over time and you've got more time to play around with it. In a lot of rented properties, you see these issues pop up in short periods of time because for whatever reason, they don't, they don't vent the property as much. They haven't lived in it, so they haven't sort of understood at different times of the year what to do and how to control it. But if you if you live in a flat or in a house in winter and you're showering in the morning, there's two of you having showers, 20 minutes, half an hour of steam and hot water, you're going to have to open a window to, to let that vent out. Do that, and all of a sudden you'd start to eradicate the, the mold growth you see on most people's ceilings, mm. which is i guess normally the, the the biggest thing is just it's just moisture in bathrooms yeah but what about like say i mean i mean more personally like at this time of year when you're getting when you're selling a property for example it's going through you get a survey gets done they've ventilated they've had the window open they've got air vents they've got extractor fans there is no sign of damp in that property get a survey done so there goes around flats riddled with damp i mean that is just your typical i guess well, the damp surveyor or damp company. That or damp in, company, yeah, then they yeah, get a, yeah, um, they, a damp survey. Yeah, I mean, most damp surveys, I think the difference that you'll see if you're dealing with people getting surveys for damp or moisture is that the free surveys that most people get will typically just come back with one option, and that is to tank or just to do some sort of damp course. 
doesn't ever really explain possibly where the issues started from, where it stemmed and maybe what to do to stop that first versus when people spend sort of three or 500 pounds for an independent specialist to go in there. You know, you often find, you'll see the reports, we've had them before from a chat we've used in the past or seen from, you know, the reports of 10, 15 pages long about actually where the where the issue's coming from. That might be a, the ground level outside is, is, is too high and it's causing issues with moisture on the inside of the wall. It might be the fact that there are, I don't know, maybe there's four people living inside a two-bedroom flat and therefore the humidity is incredibly high because people are breathing all night long and actually giving you more um, mm. more information about it. So I think people often just default straight down the line if there's any form of moisture in a property that it's damp and actually there's a big difference between damp and condensation. Damp is normally formed, I guess, by some sort of water ingress from externally getting in, mm. whereas condensation is born from the inside trying to attach to your walls and causing issues. So two completely different issues and two things that should be looked at, I guess, in different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Will. I mean, the the problem tends to be more highlighted at this time of year. So what what you've got at the moment is the other issue in terms of the cost of living crisis. So we are we are seeing more and more issues, particularly with um, mould buildup as a result of people trying to um, save money. Um, by reducing the amount of heating they're doing. Now, without trying to bore people to tears, um, you've got something called the dew point. And the dew point is the point at which water vapour within the air will condense because it becomes the, there's too much water within the air. Now, the higher the temperature, mm. the more water vapour yeah. can be in the air. Yeah. Okay. So if you're running your heating at, just for argument's sake, 23 degrees, yeah? Nice and warm, you can have a lot of water vapour stored in the air. If you start to reduce the level at which you heat your property, mm. less water vapour could be stored in the air and the dew point is then lowered. Yeah. Now that water vapour has to go somewhere. And once the air gets too cool, it will condense on the coldest parts of the building, which, as Alex mentioned earlier, tends to be around windows, in the corners, external walls. So particularly with showers what you tend to find is if you've got a, uh, a shower that part of it uh, or part of the room is on an external wall, mm -hmm. you will get condensation um, happening around that external wall, again, particularly in the corners. Now, o over a couple of weeks, realistically, it's unlikely that anything's going to happen. Over a couple of months, you will start to see if it's not being wiped down, if it's not being taken mm. care of, you'll start to see the mold building up because it will naturally just start to grow. So you, th there's two ways generally in which to combat condensation. One is you raise the temperature. The second is, as Alex mentioned, you ventilate the property. Um, the, the extractor fans within bathrooms should be sufficient to get most of the moisture out. Um, but as Alex mentioned, if that's not working, yeah, the easiest thing to do is open the window, let it, let it kind of dissipate naturally. Yeah. Um, the problem is at this time of year, people don't like opening their windows because it's bloody freezing. And yeah. if you're already trying to save money by not having the heating on, the last thing that most people are going to do is open the windows. Yeah. So it, it is yeah. a bit of a problem. Um, and it's not even just the showers. You know, a, an average person will breathe out, I think it's two litres um, or the equivalent of two litres worth of water vapour um, over a 24-hour period, if I'm not mistaken. Then you add to that cooking, you know, heating up pasta or whatever. And if you've got kids, it's more baths, more showers, more 
more water, more breathing. Um, and it just, it, it's an awful lot of water vapor that's being trapped inside properties that potentially aren't being heated correctly. And then in turn are also not being ventilated mm. because people don't want that cold air coming in. So aren't opening windows or closing their trickle vents on, on the double glazing. Um, you know, they, they quite often recommend you open your door for a couple of minutes um, to, to allow the water vapor on a daily basis. On know? the front door? Yeah. Yeah, you know, just to clear the just, air just out. Just to I mean, clear the air out. Allow yeah. wave down the street. Yeah, absolutely. Open the front door, open the back door for a couple of minutes, let, let it all flow through, shut it, you know, away you and go. That's, like you'd say that's what, you know, with condensation and mould when it's on scenes and stuff is that I guess it's always tends to be defaulted. So there's a problem with the building or there's a problem that someone else... Did. And actually a lot of it is just how you manage it and deal with it. You need, of course, if you can get yourself a decent extractor fan, that's going to clear most of it. I mean, mm. we haven't opened up the windows in our bathroom all winter, but we've got a decent extractor fan and there is zero problem at all. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, sometimes you go into some properties, don't you, and you see the, you know, an old Victorian house, they wouldn't have had a powered ventilator, so they've got air bricks. You go in, people have shoved tissue paper in it, they yeah. sellotaped over them, and they wonder why there's condensation and mould. It's because there's no airflow. Mm. And actually one of them, um, a, a client of, uh, well, I say a client of mine, someone that I'd met doing a valuation for, I went round and he was saying, look, I've got to be up front, we've got, you know, we've got a damp problem. We've had a damp company out and they told us, you know, this is what we need to do. So, we'll, you know, let's we'll walk around, let's have a look at it. And, you know, it's got some in the sort of typical areas. And he was saying that the damp company had said, you know, we need to do some some damp, some tanking, right? Where they they basically hack the wall off up to about a metre, 1.2 metres, and then they render it all, they tank it, and it's to stop the moisture getting in. And I just said to him, you know, aware that a lot of these damp companies just default to tanking, mm. um, I said, you know, if they told you what the problem is. Well, yeah, you know, we've just got some damp. I said, but do you know where the, where the problem is? How about you, if, if you stop the source of the problem, then maybe it will it will stop the issue internally. And he took me in the bedroom and said, you know, we just keep getting water here and there's black mold and black spores. And I'd noticed at that point they had a newborn baby. So I said to him, you know, did that happen to start happening when you'd had the newborn? Oh yeah, yeah, I think it did. And I said to him, you know, that is, it's just very typical. All of a sudden you've got a, a bedroom in a one bedroom flat, which now has twice as much furniture because there's a cot, a baby changer. Everything's pressed up against the walls. You and your wife are sleeping in here, the baby's in here and you're drying clothes. All of a sudden that, moisture level has just gone sky high mm. and the ventilation's just been reduced so actually if you just reduce that you reduce your problem rather than spending four and a half thousand pounds mm. for someone to come and put tanking on your walls you don't probably even really need yeah um do you want to know what the main cause of that issue is likely to be what the bottle steriliser well you reckon mm. that pumping away the whole time in the in the kitchen yeah, yeah. Because you just, it's just constant. Steam. Yeah. Just you might as well just put an air purifier in there that's kind of kicking that water. Yeah. Or the dad under serious stress and just smoking his vape pen indoors all, <laughs> <laughs> all day. You're talking from experience there, Jack. Absolutely not, James. Just the mold in your lounge, is it? Nicotine free. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, a lot of it is down to the way in which people are using the homes, but there, there are also the defects. Yeah. You know, um, double glazing for example so going back to the the older period properties you know back in the day you would have had timber sash single glazed windows you would have had kind of exposed floors in areas um open chimneys yeah all of that um, is natural ventilation yeah so properties just ventilated because they they were drafty and you know even now we still hear mm. i mean you see it on an epc certificate don't you the ratings they are not 
that brilliant when mm. it comes to insulation. No. And then the problem is when you start to insulate them, they aren't designed the same way as a modern building is for, mm. for ventilation. They don't generally have mechanical ventilation throughout that purifies the air and takes out all the, um, mm. all the moist air and replaces it with fresh air from outside. So you get problems. And, and it, it does generally tend to be the older buildings that have these issues for, for those reasons, as we've tried to kind of limit the carbon footprints and um, sort of deal with the energy efficiency of properties, pushes come to shove and, and they aren't actually designed to work that way. That's so, what it is when the, the, like the 70s, 80s, 90s new builds, they're just block squares, no ventilation, no nothing, no. and they get all sorts of issues because actually there just isn't, they don't have air bricks, yeah, there's so unless nothing. you're physically punching holes and putting yeah. in mechanical ventilation. You get a lot of it, didn't you? Like the first time buyers out there, they get a survey, damn, a lot of them, you have a lot of properties withdraw, not a lot, but like of the ones that fall through, I'd say there's a fairly high percentage of people who are like, this damp, it's terrified of damp. This is going on. You're like Everyone quite just often defaults like, to damp and just assumes it's the worst thing in the world. And then you get the company, like you say, come around, it needs an injection, it needs to do this, and it's like, you know, like you were saying earlier, you've got a damp-proof course, nine times out of ten, how many of them outlast their guarantee? They all need redoing. It doesn't mean anything. But it's not, really, it's just whether or not they're fixing the problem. That's what I mean. Mm. It's not that, you know, let's go and back to the that. gutter's still filled up with leaves. And well, that's not sure down the side Listen, of the wall. And then you, you, get, if you get some rooms or some houses where you're upstairs and all of a sudden you've got these black mould marks. When I, you know, when we bought our house, I noticed in the corner that all the, it was all wet in the corner. Mm. And, it, and, you know, most people would have, well, it's damp, you know, you get yourself a damp surveyor. And it's thinking, well, you know, this is on the second floor of the roof What's line. Like, this it? isn't damp. This yeah. is what the problem is. And lo and behold, outside, gutter's got a split and it's just pissing water down mm. all the whole time. We've got a Sorted mate. that, dry. We've got a friend, Jamie. just had his bathroom and he's like, it's riddled with damp. There's loads of damp. And I'm like, there's rising damp. There's rising damp. We've got a rising damp issue. We just, this house is a nightmare. I'm like, there's probably a reason that's happening, Jamie. Like, does it, you know, is there something on the brickwork outside? There is a reason that that property is like, yeah. it's also in a bathroom as well. So it's like, that might be an issue. He's like, no, it's not. And then he paid X amount for a like damp proof injection. He's getting the bathroom done anyway. They hacked away all of the wall, and he's like, oh yeah, there's a Got pipe. A burst pipe. There's a pipe that's dripping. Yeah, there you go, mate. You know, it's, in my there's always a reason yeah. for it. In in my experience, most damp issues are as a result of a defect elsewhere in the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, you deal with the defect, you deal with the damp, hmm. um, and that is a surefire way of stopping it coming back, rather than trying to effectively paper over it plaster over it yeah. and it might find its way in somewhere else or the damp proof course fails or, or something to that mm. extent and you end up just constantly paying out these big sums of money for me that. it's the most frustrating thing if a property falls through because of that because yeah. when they're saying you know the rising debt it's like what is why that it's not just gonna start rising up there's a reason the thing is a lot of people don't it's easy to sit there for you and i or for I know, to be like, oh I'm it's saying, so annoying because yeah. you deal with it day in day out you you kind of understand the differences and also also you, you kind of know a lot of it isn't as bad as what people say or buy into, but to mm. buyers, when they think the house got damp, you, you almost see it as like it's got some sort of disease and it's going to be riddled with it. Mm -hmm. And unless it's fixed majorly, you know, we can never live in that house. Because sometimes they come out of rental properties where landlords haven't fixed the problem and they've been left with damp mould or whatever it might mm. be. When actually it's, if people knew more about it, or maybe if these damp companies weren't so, you know, I guess the free companies Wired. that say you've got damp so they can get themselves business, mm -hmm. it's kind of just push you around in a bit of a circle. Yeah, my um, issue with those is there is a conflict of interest there. Yeah, yeah it's a know, surveyor the, telling you need to do work who then provides you the option to do the work. It's also the amount, though. We had a two-bed flat last year, the year before, kind of a little bit of a blur. Two-bed flat, not massive, 700-square-foot flat. 
they said there's 27 grand's worth of damp work that needed which doing. is ridiculous i mean i've never seen one that high person you know fortunately the buyer was like that just seems insane well that's always the i mean funny that's what kevin always used to say wasn't it when you if you have a house and someone's gone in there and said it's got damp and he's mm. like well you go in there right it's completely bone dry mm. and you're telling me that a little meter with two metal prongs has gone through plaster a bit of plasterboard on a dot and dabbed wall with a it, and it's telling you the brick's damp he's mm. like you know how's someone telling you that when there's not even a problem he used to drill through didn't he well that's how i drill mean that's how you would be take like the dust genuine... is dry how well, it's not damp the there's up, dust yeah it's yeah, not I a mean... paste yeah, the, the problem with the damp meters are a they're calibrated for timber anyway um and b it's done through electricity so the the way in which it's measured is it's how quickly the electricity goes from one prong to the next and the issue with that is most particularly on the period stuff most of it has at some point or another hmm. suffered with damp yeah but the problem is once that's dry you've then got the salts that come out as a result and yeah. the electricity travels very quickly through salt. Mm. So even if it's dry, it, it will still, still come up. It, will, it yeah. will give a high reading on the basis that the electricity is travelling through at a rate equivalent to water. I'd say every server, every server that they get. I've never yeah. understood yeah. that. Yeah. So the, basically, between the two prongs, it's it's the speed at which the electricity travels through. And of course, it'll um, go through slow if there's no water or anything. there's no water yeah, it's you know it's not a great conductor of the electricity it's a low reading i'd say nearly um, every survey you get though they say there's damp yeah i mean not on new build you know stuff like that but we the but vast majority of stuff we sell are period properties and and to be fair there probably generally is some hmm. but it's also not as big an issue necessarily yeah. as, as it's made out you know the the ones that most of the issues that i see with damp when it comes up on a survey is as a result of higher ground levels yeah. um, on, on the outside of the building. Where it's what's happened the old original it's bridged, damp proof. It's bridged yeah. the damp proof course. So essentially what you've got is the water, it's not rising damp in that it's rising through the damp proof course. Mm. It's rising damp in that the, the damp proof course has essentially been covered by the external ground mm. and the wet ground is just soaking through into the bricks above it. So you, you get damp readings. And actually, in most situations, lowering the ground level will solve the issue for most people. Yeah. Or, or as Alex alluded to earlier, it's another defect elsewhere in the property. In his case, it's guttering. Mm -hmm. You know, Guttering is, is one of the most common causes of damp inside properties because people don't realise that the guttering is leaking and you've got water pouring down the side of a wall. Mm -hmm. They're aware of the damp, but they, they don't tend to take note. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it is, is when it's raining... Are you outside looking at what's going looking on at your, at your property? No, yeah. no, of course you're not. You're inside mm -hmm. where it's dry. So people tend not to realise that they've got a defect with their guttering. I think that is the point, isn't it? Is that old houses are always going to have problems, right? They were built in the 1900s. There aren't times where they factored everything in or had the, I don't know, the technology to create these perfect kind of uh, mm -hmm. damp proof courses. So they're built on a, a bed of bricks with a normally slate sometimes, isn't it, in between the bricks? Slate brick is the damp proof course. And, as a damp proof course. Period. At the moment, yeah. the ground level outside if someone kept building on top of that and building um, on top of it which people do because it's cost effective yeah. all of a sudden you you breach that and water mm -hmm. then starts sitting on the brickwork and that will seep through but how much of an issue actually is it normally as you say most times you can't even see it but someone tells you there's damp mm -hmm. and people end up spending five grand hacking a wall off with no problem mm -hmm. to put it back on yeah, yeah. um i mean you according to the building rates your damp proof course should be 150 mil above ground level which essentially is two brick courses yeah, right. and that that's to protect it from splashback so when when the rain is coming down that's what the building regulations says should be a sufficient height mm. that the bricks above that aren't getting saturated in heavy rain 
but I can tell you on most Victorian buildings I see because of exactly the reasons that Alex said, you know, over the years, patio has been laid then oh, you know, we don't really like that patio. We want something else on top. And the ground level has just been raised up and up and up. Mm. The best one, I think, is when you go and do a view and you go in the cellar. Oh, that's damp. And you're like, so, well, it's a cellar. It's it's a cellar. cellar. <laughs> what, what are you expecting yeah. there? Yeah. Most of them have got rivers probably not too far below them. So I there's a... one at the moment. But that's got on. Um, we have... So we, we have... I mean, we've just... Um, I'm just about to exchange it. We sold a house for Christmas. And I mean, in our... You know, where we are, there is literally a river that runs through the middle of, um, of the area I live in where we also, I also work and in this I did a viewing I opened up the door and thought it's a fantastic cellar right? so I've got to show someone put the light on big puddle of water almost like a swimming pool mm-hmm. the guy's like what's going on down there and I was like well it's a cellar isn't it it's underground <laughs> where the water levels are risen I think the guy didn't buy it obviously in the end but it's um, it does happen yeah you, regularly you'll see basements fill up with a bit of water and it will sink well down the got, he's got a drain under there and sometimes it just well, the water table is also office. rising yeah. Blow my office has a pump under there because it's regularly a swimming pool yeah. it's like the Peckham Springs <laughs> okay so basically what you're saying is generally if there is a damp defect nine times out of ten you don't need a magic injection or anything it's not fix that. the defect it's fix the find the find the cause the before you just start spending thousands of pounds internally yeah. putting yeah. up a, a screen to try and block it find the issue sort the problem and normally that helps you more in the long run yeah Get independent advice mm-hmm. is is yeah. the primary one. You know, if you're not sure what you're doing, go and seek independent advice, not someone who is related to a company that then provides the rectification. Get someone completely independent to look at it. And I would always say start with the holistic approach first, which is rather than, you know, chemical injections and tanking and all of that stuff, which has its place. There are times where actually it is needed. Mm. Um, start with things like lowering ground levels, installing trickle vents into double glazing that doesn't have it i thought holistic meant having like the you know the um the stones on your windowsill and stuff and, and, <laughs> and putting incense burners on those <laughs> get away the bad well, energy yeah in in the context of this one it means more um taking an approach yeah yeah taking an approach that doesn't involve altering the main sort of construction of the building Oh, yeah, that came out, wasn't it, in the news? Uh, the peace lily, which is now available, according to NASA, is something that will reduce your, your mould. Actually, mold no, and damp, was it? Or we've got... Mould spores. Mold. We've uh, we've got one in our playroom. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's really good for that. David said he's got one that's dying. So too stop much, arguing with your missus then. <laughs> <laughs> Not very peaceful. Um... Fair enough. A lot of people who are um, who are watching this might be, you know, buyers, first time buyers in a chain thinking of making the move. Um, and for people out there who might be interested, whether they've done it before, it might have been a long time ago, whether they're first time buyers, what is the sort of things that they're going to be facing? You know, what should they expect? What do they need to get into place? Um, and is there a cost that, you know, a lot of that might might come to? Um, so from, from your first time buyer's point of view in particular, um, it's helpful to do your background due diligence before you go out viewing um, is the first thing I would say because it's very hard to try and understand actually what your affordability is without speaking to someone in the industry who deals with it whether it's a mortgage broker your bank directly a financial advisor Um, so just do do your initial background research on the actual affordability side of things so um, first thing I would advise someone to do is go and get a mortgage in principle The, the truth is and how easy is that to do? Pretty simple, mm. pretty straightforward. I mean, you can do it um, directly online with a, a lot of lenders these days. I, I would. Are they su- worth the paper they're written on? 
they're an indication of what your affordability is. They're, it, if, you put, if you put in true information, it will yeah. give you a truer idea. A mortgage in principle is not a mortgage offer. Hmm. Okay, A mortgage offer is the bank has agreed to give you that money to buy that property. A mortgage in principle is actually exactly what it says. It's a mortgage in principle. You can, in theory, borrow this amount of money. As Alex was saying, if you put in all the information, it will be more accurate, but most people don't um, because they don't know what they need to put in and, and what they can leave out. Um, but it's a good indication for people. I think for, for a buyer who's not gone out, not looked before, um, it is the first step. Go and get your mortgage in principle. Work out actually what your affordability is. Don't worry too much about which lender it is initially. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say, you know, cross that bridge actually when you found a property. Um, but just to get an idea of what you can afford. And then once you've got that, go out and start viewing. Um, you know, the first step with that is obviously Rightmove, Zoopla, agents' websites, go and do a recce of the area, go and walk into estate agents' offices. Um, I, I personally think it's very difficult um, when when you first start looking to identify exactly what you want. Um, and I generally advise buyers who who have just started their search to have a full day of viewings. You know, don't don't try and be picky over the property mm. that that you want in your head. Mm. Actually, look at your affordability, look at what's available in the area that you want to be in, and just go and see stuff. You know, yeah. try and get between five and ten viewings booked in for a Saturday and go and yeah, have a look. A it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's no point in kind of you just starting on your search and go and see two properties because mm-hmm. truthfully, you might have an idea of what you want, but you don't know until you start walking through doors. And actually, if one of those properties is perfect, it's far easier to know that mm-hmm. if you've seen seven or eight that day mm-hmm. than it is if you've just seen two. And and yeah. how how many times do we see it where you know we we show a property to a first time buyer they really like it but they're not sure because they haven't seen anything else they come back three weeks yeah. later oh can we offer on that one and it's gone yeah or you'd see your first time buyer you know they they register we absolutely need a two bedroom flat they end up buying a one bedroom garden flat around the corner hmm. sometimes you buy something completely different because hmm. actually once you start looking you start thinking actually you know what do we need this do we want that yeah and actually you can sort of work through and, and they're rarely perfect as well are they? I know you're perfect, but they're never rarely perfect are they it's like well I'm going to have to compromise on you know yeah if you station or five or six compromise that one needs reason. a bit of work that needs a kitchen or you know that one's got the guard there's always going to be you're not ev- ever going to tick really unless you box. know unless you in the industry in some way shape or form and you know exactly what you want to go and buy because this is what it's going to be hmm. you just get yeah get out there kind of do a bit of looking around get to know the agents the agents then get to know you they'll help you out maybe give you a bit of information maybe the benefits on one flat over another which you probably never understood help you more on you know i guess understand a bit more insight and leasehold share of freeholds there's so much that there is so much to do with property when you start looking at it that you know the quick i guess the more that you see and the more you understand it about it the sooner the far easier it would be to make a decision um, once you've started getting into it you then obviously need to start thinking about I'd say your deposit is probably a big one at the beginning obviously yeah. you're going to need to know what your deposit is um, and I guess for some people don't just Do think you need to know that obviously you need it, to know the one that, thing like, I just said about deposit is that or? you know let's just say you had £50,000 don't just assume that's 10% and therefore I can buy £500,000 right obviously your your affordability is based on your income yeah your deposit obviously is then a percentage of whatever that is and you put it towards it. So deposit's just a good one to know that don't just base your affordability that that's 10% of X. Um, deposits ideally would be readily available or if you're going to be getting them gifted or if they are coming from stocks and shares and needs to be liquidated, obviously bear in mind, you don't need that at the beginning. 
you will need to understand or show proof of where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, but as you lead towards the end of the process of purchasing, obviously you're gonna to wanna to make sure that's available to use because that will hold up your your ability yeah. to exchange. Um, solicitors are, are a big one. I think if you're only first and buy, really probably recommendations is, is the easiest way to go about that. You can look online, of course, and, and kind of, I guess, shop around, but do not go with the cheapest option. Um, you know, I'd always try and go with someone who's got a physical office. You know, I think some online ones are good, but, you know, I guess a, a physical office where you might be able to go and hand documents into, sign contracts, do your ID checks if you needed. But are they that important? They must all do the same thing, people might say. Not really. I just, or you know, I guess that's probably from a, some, some sense of an old school way. You know, a physical office means there's physical people you can go and see and that they've got, a, I guess, a, a brand, that, you know, they're kind of mm. the face of. So you'd hope that that service level is of a certain um, level. But actually being able to go there sometimes is quicker. If you're relying on posts for everything, sign contracts sometimes need to be hard copies. Mm. Um, doing your ID, that, and I suppose can all be done this time electronically, but just being able to go somewhere, I'd, I'd find is I awesome. mean, what about the when it's actually being, you know, the conveyancing process is going on? Why is it so supportive? I know this is a massive subject, but just like... I just think a lot so of solicitors have that. popped up and a lot of the online solicitors are cheaper because they don't have overheads, but then you normally, you, you get what you pay for with yeah. solicitors. You know, solicitors are the key part to a transaction. You can be the best buyer, the most easy laid back person in the world, you're a fantastic estate agent. But if you've got a really poor solicitor that either has a massive workload because there's only, you know, they, everything goes to two solicitors in one firm and they don't spend that on other resources, you're going to be at the bottom of the pile. It's going to take forever. And mm. um, as I say, services is everything. You get what you pay for. A decent uh, value of a solicitor will give you a good service and will help things move forward a lot, lot quicker. So, uh, which is why I say about recommendations. There's so many to look at online. Speak to friends, family, cousins, uncles, the estate agent you're buying from. Mm. They're always going to know two or three that they've dealt with and had good experiences with. And don't just think they're just trying to push you in an area because they get kickbacks or whatever. You know, the estate agent's going to be, most estate agents will be doing it from a, a, a purpose of trying to make sure you use a decent solicitor so things go through smoothly. Mm. Um, not just because they're getting fifty pound in their back pocket or something, mm. which they should tell you from the up. They've got to disclose that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but sister's a huge one. Uh, surveys you need to get surveys when you're buying. Um, mortgage valuations come with your lender. They're going to be the people. You know, your mortgage lender will offer you that and, and provide that for you. But home buyer surveys, building surveys, structure engineers, all those kind of things um, are a big one to think about. Typically, first time buyers, home buyer survey level two is your kind of entry level survey that you'd be encouraged to get which i don't i think i don't know if we spoke about that before on a podcast maybe we'll speak about surveys more but um level two average survey is a uh, home buyers next one up from that's a full building survey which you typically see on on houses and, and bigger properties mm. yeah makes sense you agree. Any, anything you want to no not particularly <laughs> <laughs> it's you just need to make sure your finances are in place you understand loosely what you want to go and buy based on what you can afford get out there meet some agents get viewing and yeah. and just get going with it get get looking any bit of a curve away but any pitfalls that you might or you know that's worrying or um potentially i think the difficulty is the the issue with the way the industry is itself I think if you're one of those buyers that ends up offering on something that it later transpires isn't quite what you thought or has a history that you know the the lender won't lend on it or whatever, um, that is the pitfall of the industry. Mm. You know, it it's not actually as um, good as it could be in that regard. Um, although they are making changes to try and sort that. You know, mm. there's there's new 
requirements that the agents have to meet in terms of the information that they display particularly for leasehold properties um, which i think is hopefully going to make it a little bit easier for buyers to be able to make an informed decision um, about whether or not they want to offer on a property rather than um, in some instances offering blind without really having mm. enough information to make an informed decision then finding out three four five weeks down the line having spent money on solicitors surveys mortgages all the rest of it so i think the the pitfalls are always going to be there um but my advice to anyone is if you see something and you like it offer on it yeah you know because yeah i'll tell you something do not be put off because a flat has been on the market for six weeks and no one's bought it Mm. you know if you go there and you find a problem then fair enough but don't be put off just because someone else hasn't bought it very rarely is a property not sold because it has you know, a real detrimental issue. It's probably had a bit of bad luck. Maybe it was overpriced at the start. Yeah, Something's gone just amiss on the way through. But just if it suits you, then just keep your eyes open to it. That's where some of the, the, the I guess, the better deals could be found. The ones that people don't want, you know, and there's not always a reason for that sometimes. So it's just a bit of a, mm. a bad run of luck for that owner. Mm. Um, so I'd be open-minded to most of it. And do know you're going to get into... You, likelihood as you could be at a chain you know not all sales go through nice and quickly some can take a while mm. um, and that's not just because i don't know you have unnecessary delays it's when you've got four or five people trying to do the same thing it can take some time yeah i think as well like people out there listen people who are out there are listening you're like it's a it's a fun thing to do i mean you're going to buy your first that's exciting, yeah, exciting. Yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. amazing like oh we're going to go it's a massive financial commitment you're going to, you should go out and be like wow this is so cool like i'm actually going to go and buy somewhere yeah. i'm going to be in here you get a bit of independence all yeah. the rest of it I think a lot of people just get bogged down with it, don't they, sometimes? And it's like, oh, it's becoming such a chore. It can be like, quite overwhelming, I think, can't it? There's a lot of stuff yeah. that goes on, a lot. I mean, we had a, a, a girl once pull out her... Uh, dad was financing the whole purchase, but it got so much of it that she pulled out on exchange and said that it was just all a little bit... All of a sudden, she was going to become a homeowner and take on responsibilities and have a you know a service charge to pay and you know a lease to deal with and all of this. And, and it, it can be quite daunting. Um, so I guess just if you have questions, queries, about it, reach out. Your estate agent is going to be hopefully as experienced as anyone to give you advice and, and help you through some of it. Yeah. I if they're me- good. I remember my first purchase. It was just like, it was so exciting. Yeah. So I, I just, when I got that mortgage offer, it was like, yeah, even, even though we hadn't even exchanged at that point, you know, yeah. nothing was legally binding, but yeah, just yeah. getting that mortgage offer and being like, Oh my God, I can well, buy, we yeah. always I say can buy a flat. We were, I mean, I work even when I'm on the second time purchase, we were working in the industry for seven, eight, nine, ten years by the time we were buying. And I was just as excited and just yeah. as nervous as any other buyer, yeah. even though it's I mad. do it for a living. <laughs> I'd say more nervous. Yeah, probably. I was so, progressing so on it. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. But it's it's such a lovely feeling. You know, that yeah, you, I agree. Every, Massive achievement. Every milestone, you know, the, from the mortgage offer to the exchange to completion to picking up the keys. Yeah. You know, opening the door for the first time. Find out you got damp. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Walk, walking in, there's water pouring through the ceiling. Got a cellar. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a lovely feeling. It's yeah. a really, really lovely feeling. Um, so yeah, just and you get away from paying that landlord's mortgage you've been paying for the last five years. Oh yes, mm. or Start. when you're still at your mum and dad's, not paying anything, <laughs> yeah. and then you take on a huge outgoing, hits you. <laughs> <laughs> that disposable income drops. Um, just a quick one to finish up. Um, the just a bit of fun, really. What's like? I don't know whether it's you personally or what you've seen in the industry you know don't have to be too elaborate but like what's the biggest fuck up that you've seen or you've done personally um i've not done too many there (laughs) there was one last year where lovely client really really lovely client um fortunately 
where I pulled her boiler cupboard door off. Um, <laughs> just it did, didn't mean to. I'm not that strong. Um, but yeah, what just, you said a few weeks ago you've been going to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was before I started at the gym. Um, yeah, put, just literally pulled the um, the boiler cupboard, showing obviously an applicant where the boiler is. Opened the door and basically it came with. Um, and I text her and kind of said, look, you know, um, I've, I've had a quick look around without being too nosy, yeah. you know, under the stairs and, and kind of in the shed. Can't find a screwdriver. Can you let me know where one is? Because I need to put your, your boiler cupboard door back on. Um, and bless her, about five minutes later, she turned up straight through the house, out to the shed, back in with a load of tools, you know, electric <laughs> screwdriver, bosh, uh, cupboard doors back on. <laughs> So yeah, that was one of mine. It, it was an accident. Yeah, um, that's not too and, bad. Yeah. I can't really think. I not really honestly good don't. It. Not on the one, but not on uh, not on viewings. When I first, I don't know when I first started, but what, like when I'd been in maybe a year or two still in office junior, I think I was doing lens. I was doing a handover anyway before I was going away on holiday, and had a file with a real. She was a horrid woman. This lady emailed our office on a circular. And included Sophie, who was my colleague, but had emailed Sophie, the client, telling everyone what a bitch this lady was and to watch out and then badmouthed her fully on an oh, internal dear. email and copied her in on the email. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and then had to email her immediately apologising. So I'm um, really sorry. Because I'd noticed that, you know, the moment you hit that button, you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. It's too late. It's done. That's probably... Um, Do you hear some horror stories? I mean, not necessarily with us, but there was one before. Uh, you know, I've got other mates, obviously, working in the industry, not just exclusive for us, people's but... Open people's posts being caught. people's posts being yeah. caught, stuff like that. Like, that's fucking... Yeah. You've got to be somewhat crazy <laughs> to be opening people's posts and question why you're doing that anyway. I think my worst one, to be fair, was... I was quite uh, green around the gills and I was doing a bit of lettings. Letting's never really been my forte. I was more doing sales and it used to be a little bit kind of bit part. And unfortunately, I moved a couple into a flat. I was very young at this point as well and I wasn't sure it was going to be my career, but I'd moved the couple into a flat. Yeah. And uh, they've turned up, come and got the keys, big storage van, unfurnished flat. And it was fully furnished when they, uh, when they, when they got there. Well, not fully furnished. It had a bed, a wardrobe. So, I mean, to be fair, I took responsibility for it. Went round there, got a, um, took one of our colleagues, Frank, the he? admin guy, <laughs> went round with a tool set, took apart the bed, took apart the wardrobe and was driving around South East London in a little DS3 with half a bed and a, <laughs> and a wardrobe hanging out the back of the car. But yeah, you do hear some... You've done that the once when you first started, have you? We've done that Yeah. Well, the second twice. time wasn't actually... No. That was actually down second to the time landlord. second time you rented a storage unit to store the furniture, which ended up yeah. costing about That was actually the landlord who had agreed previously that this furniture was going to stay. Didn't tell us. We checked it and was like, that furniture's still there. And he was like, yeah, cool. And then the people moved in and they're like... Oh, sorry, he was like, that's all going to go. And we were like, yeah, cool. The people have moved in, turned up. I mean, to be fair, I went above and beyond, rented a van, went and got a van rented a storage unit because he was like they're really personal I was going to say he really wanted to keep them didn't he and then two weeks later he was going to throw them away I've got his bed <laughs> <laughs> I put it in a storage yeah. unit because he, like, he was like I want to keep it um, it's very sentimental to me I bought all of this furniture it was my first time so I was like oh fuck you know what I mean it's just a cock up whatever put it all in a storage unit for him it was there for six weeks and I was like mate I can't keep paying for this forever <laughs> Oh, you were paying for it. Uh, yeah, and then he was. Well, I, was like, I mean, it's, it, he he's been a long term client. It was right. like we've got we still manage it, and I was like, you know, for the sake of a couple hundred quid, whatever, let's just get this sorted. And then like six weeks later, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to keep paying for this. And he was like, ah, just chuck it out, mate. 
And I was like, what? Like, I could have just got that cleared that day. And he was like, yeah, so... But you got a bed out of it. Well, I got the bed frame. I didn't take his mattress. <laughs> no, been rented. And one of my mates has got his drawers. And who took his table? Somebody took his table and chairs. Was- got it cleared <laughs> out pretty quickly. But I was like, I could have just done that on the day. But um, mm. but yeah. They do happen. We are they do. S- I've not made many, though, I will say. I'd we are still human. Just a few. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. They happen every day, don't they? But not not massive scales. Minor ones, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. As always, we will be back next week. I don't know what we're actually covering that one on, so we'll uh, we'll have to pick that one out and tune in and find out what it is next week. Whoa.